2: Is a choice. This is Battleground America. Here's Terra Servatius. I don't think this is incompetence on the part of the Biden administration. I think they mean to do this on purpose in order to demoralize both the American people and the American military. This wasn't like Joe Biden made one rash decision and then everybody decided to bug out. You had the entire military apparatus, you had the entire State Department, you had the intelligence community. Give this the green light, knowing that in Afghanistan, the Taliban was going to run us out of the country, try to humiliate us and make America look bad. We knew that was going to happen and we did it anyway. It strikes me that this is kind of, this is really the great reset. Getting America off the world stage in the most humiliating way possible, getting places like Afghanistan to blow up, have millions of migrants go throughout Europe during this pandemic where there's chaos ensuing everywhere. This is, again, you you often say that there's no conspiracies but there are also no coincidences This is not a coincidence. This is a plan on the part of the U.S. government to get us out of Afghanistan in the most embarrassing, humiliating way possible. Because they do not respect the United States and they want to demoralize the American people.
3: That's Brian Kennedy, former combat vet with the American Strategy Group. Once you understand what he says, everything else our government does right now in Afghanistan begins to make sense. There's no way they didn't see this coming, which makes none of this an accident. And it kicks off our most insane things of the week podcast, where I run down the news of the week and only the news that we've never seen before. You'd think I'd have a hard time doing this, but I leave half the podcast on the cutting room floor every week, which tells you the kind of times we live in. So let's get started. Insane thing number one, a new financial record. We set a lot of those under Trump. I kept a stack of. Of news printouts of them. It's three and a half feet tall and yellowing in the corner of my studio. I'm amassing a similar stack for Biden, but these aren't the kind of records you want to shatter, like this one this week. Inflation hit a record high in the Kansas City Fed Manufacturing Index. It measures inflationary pressures on goods manufactured in the central U.S., and it rose to a record level in August. That's according to the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City on Thursday. Here's what makes it scary. It's the running escalation. The Kansas City Fed's index for prices received jumped to a seasonally adjusted 61 from July's 52, the previous record high. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. You mean worse than Jimmy Carter in the 70s when inflation was legendary? Yep. That's two record highs. Two months in a row. That can't be good. Which makes this the perfect time, not, to pass a $3 trillion printing and borrowing binge. Because we don't have the cash to pay for it. It's actually really a $5 trillion binge. But for whatever reason, the Democrats and the media insist on sticking with the $3.5 trillion figure. Whatever the case, it's almost certain to destroy the dollar and our economy going forward. Passing it at a time of record high inflation is Zimbabwe-style absolute, utter madness. For now, Democrat Senator Kirsten Sinema is saying, "Uh uh-uh, she's not voting for it. Literally, as the dollar hangs on the razor's edge, could go either way. Here's why we're here at this point, folks. And we weren't here even in December uh, when Trump's package, which we had to borrow a lot of, passed. Because once you hit a critical point of owing the entire economy typically you hit hyperinflation and you can't stop it we've seen this over and over again with country after country that's done it and this year we hit that tipping point where we owe the entire economy that's the time to put the brakes on in a panic instead we're hitting the gas and that's insane Which leads us to insane thing number two. Vice President Kamala Harris warning this week that you ought to go ahead and order your children's Christmas presents now. It's August. Or you might not get them in time. Yeah. Uh, She says she expects a shipping slowdown due to climate change. Which means something else is going on. Yep. And other pressures. What does she know? Folks? She said this at a business roundtable. I don't mean to panic but you should remember that at the height of the pandemic, which was at Christmas time last year, it was January and February was when we had the height of cases, uh, we didn't have problems getting Christmas presents. We did have problem, problems getting toilet paper occasionally, but that was because people were overbuying and storing it, not because there was some sort of slowdown in the supply chain. "What's coming?" Worse yet," Harris said it with a smile on her face. And her typical cackle that she uses, you know, when people die or Americans can't get out of Afghanistan, which is really scary. If she's cackling, it's usually about death and destruction. That's not good. Which leads us to insane thing. Number three, never before in modern history has a president with a national security crisis of this magnitude responded the way that Biden did yesterday. Bonchi over at red state captured it perfectly for nearly eight hours the president of the united states remained silent this is after the terror attacks shockingly even as the death toll rose we heard nothing no written statement offering condolences for their deaths ever came up to 13 dead as the recording service members as at the recording of this podcast the white house couldn't even muster a quick show of empathy via joe biden's twitter account once again it became patently obvious That we simply don't have a president. Then Biden finally emerged, showing up twenty-five minutes late for the most important presser of his life, in which he'd be reacting to the deadliest day for the military in over a decade, Bonchi writes. The president's performance ranged from cold to defensive to incoherent. When pressed on what will happen to the Americans who remain trapped in Afghanistan, Biden admitted that they would be left behind, only offering a passing promise that we'd work to extract them by other means. To call what happened today a dereliction of duty would be too kind, he writes. This is a man who isn't cognizant enough to even be derelict because that would require some semblance of awareness. And to be honest, I'm not sure Biden knows where he is most of the time. This is a man who is so out of it that it's clear his constant tardiness is likely not a choice but a necessity given his physical condition. Never seen anything like this from a U.S. president in modern times. Which brings us to the next most insane, totally unprecedented thing, at least in modern times. The reaction of our allies to the betrayal by Joe Biden. It's unprecedented in our lifetimes, in its extremity. You could see it on the pages of big, respected international publications like the Times of London and the U.K. Telegraph. The London Times ran a cartoon like a shot heard round the world. It was a picture of the G7 leaders, France, Canada, standing in front of their flags and then Biden standing in front of the Al-Qaeda flag, flanked by two Taliban with his hands behind his back as if he were a prisoner. This comes on the heels of Joe Biden's historic shaming by the UK Parliament, which last week voted to find him in contempt of Parliament. That's never happened before to a U.S. president. The U.K. Telegraph, one of the three big daily newspapers there, it's basically the equivalent of a Washington Post or New York Times, ran this headline. Joe Biden's betrayal. Allies can never trust this president again. Pointless G7 meeting framed one of America's most embarrassing retreats as a great success, they said. And the first line's all you need to know. Joe Biden gave a speech that was an affront to his allies, to desperate Afghans, and to the American public.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.
1: Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.
3: How bad is it? Former British MEP and head of Britain's Independence Party, Nigel Farage, nailed the depths to which the U.S. has fallen in the eyes of its allies. This clip I'm about to play would baffle most Americans. Why are our allies so angry about us pulling out of Afghanistan? Afghanistan. That's not what they're angry about. They're angry about the way that we did it because of the lie, the betrayal. Because back in June, and this is one of the most stunning things I've ever seen our country do. This is why they're so angry. At the Cornwall, England Group of Seven Summit, Joe Biden took the podium and urged his allies not to pull their people out of Afghanistan. June, y'all promising we'd leave behind enough of a footprint, according to Bloomberg, which covered the story, that the U.K. embassy in Kabul could continue operating. That is exactly what Joe Biden said. Bloomberg writes Biden promised U.K. Prime Minister Boris Johnson and other leaders at the Group of Seven summit that critical U.S. enablers would remain in place to keep Kabul safe following the drawdown. And then we snuck out in the middle of the night. We didn't give them any heads up. We stranded not just our citizens, but theirs too. It was horrific after telling them to stay in place and that we'd never do such a thing. Why do we do it? On purpose. Because if we told them back in June what we were going to do, they'd have had enough time to get their people out. They would have filled the vacuum. It wouldn't have been hard to do. We only have 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. It would have been easy peasy. We control the whole country with that. And the technology in the air. They could have easily replaced it. And the Taliban would have never taken over. Once you understand that a Taliban takeover and creation of a caliphate in the Middle East. To fund and train radical jihadists is Washington's goal. Everything makes sense. That was the purpose of the betrayal. We couldn't let them know we were going. Because they would have stopped the Taliban takeover. That was our goal. It was so bad we didn't even pack up during the day. We left Bagram Air Force Base in the middle of the night to give the Taliban maximum amount of time to take advantage of the shock of our former allies. And after you hear this from Nigel Farage, I think the word former is a very good descriptive word. This too is unprecedented in the last century.
4: The last few years, we've not seen major terrorist atrocities in the West. But if they start to happen again and we start to think, well, how do we go out again and try and stop these cells that are spreading international terror? How can we do it with the Americans? How can we do it with an ally that has treated us with contempt and betrayed us and, into the bargain, many of our own citizens? Uh, certainly, if it's a Biden or Harris administration, I, 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 honestly, there is no way, there is no way a British parliament right now would vote for military cooperation with America led by this administration. And that's a very sad thing to say, because since 1917, the UK and America have been side by side in virtually every major conflict. We've been the closest allies in terms of military action, in terms of intelligence sharing, in terms of culture, in terms of business. You know, you couldn't have a better ally in the world than us. And right at the moment, I'm sorry, but there's no way... We could enter into another operation with you.
3: No, there isn't. Which leads us to the fourth most insane thing. The people we are in an operation with, i.e. the Taliban. And the lie you're being told right now. This wasn't the Taliban that did the suicide bombing. No, no, this was ISIS, you see. The Washington Post even went so far as to claim, this is an actual headline, the Taliban is embarrassed Heavily by the ISIS-K attack, overwhelmed, girding for civil war, terrorism experts say. It's a total lie. So is the lie that we can continue to coordinate, rely on the Taliban as if they are a separate group from ISIS. A quick search of the New York Times archives shows otherwise. Why, one reporter asked Circle back Jen Saki, spokesperson for the White House. Why would we trust them when the suicide bombers made their way through the Taliban checkpoints? Because, she says, there's no evidence the Taliban was involved. That we don't have any uh, information at this point in time, and that has not changed over the last couple of hours to suggest that the Taliban had knowledge of or was engaged in or involved in this attack. It was the same sick lie. That was repeated by our military leaders and State Department representatives all day. The New York Times Archives says otherwise. Who specifically is ISIS in Iraq? Well, they interviewed the guy who created it back in 2019. This ran on August 20th. His name, Abdul Rahim Muslim Dost. And who does he say that ISIS In Afghanistan is, quote, Pakistani and Afghan Taliban members, unquote. That's right. ISIS in Afghanistan is Pakistani and Afghan Taliban members. What about suicide bombers? You know, like the one that just hit us, killing at least 13 Marines. According to the respected foreign policy publication Voice of America, who did the Taliban put in charge of security in Kabul. Headline. Hardline Haqqani Network put in charge of Kabul security. This is August 19, 2021. Oh, well, who's the Haqqani Network? Well, that same New York Times article answers that question. If you want to look it up, it's called As Taliban Talk Peace, ISIS is Ready to Play the Spoiler in Afghanistan. Yep, it's the same one from 2019 I've been referencing. Let me read it to you. There is an overlap between the support networks in Afghanistan that enable the Islamic State's suicide bombings and the one that helped the Taliban's most lethal arm. The Haqqani Network carry out urban attacks for years. Wait, 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 I'm sorry. Who did Voice of America tell us that the Taliban had put in charge of security in Kabul? The Haqqani Network? Oh, and it's the Haqqani Network that helps the Islamic State and the Taliban carry out suicide bombings? And this is who we're relying on to get Americans to the airport? Folks, this has got to be the all-time, most insane thing I've ever profiled on this podcast. And yet, insanely, the New York Times and the Washington Post continue their drumbeat of lies contradicted by their own newspaper archives. Oh, no. ISIS-K is totally a different organization and the Taliban doesn't even like them. You mean when they're not helping them conduct suicide bombings via the Haqqani network or supplying them, supplying ISIS with Taliban fighters? You mean then? Again, it took me just 10 minutes to find that in the archives of The New York Times, which means the Biden admin knows, our intel agencies know, and yes, the Times and the Post know, too. They are lying to you. But should you need... Any more proof that the Taliban and ISIS are besties and essentially the same people? Here you go. From just a week ago. Headline. Taliban, who supposedly hates ISIS. Taliban frees thousands of prisoners, including al-Qaeda and ISIS fighters. Yep. As the Taliban takes over Afghanistan, it has freed thousands of prisoners, including top leaders affiliated with al-Qaeda and ISIS. Remember this? That was a week ago. We abandoned when we left in the middle of the night so the Brits wouldn't know. We abandoned Bagram Air Force Base and left the 5,000 behind for the Taliban to free. Another oopsie that wasn't. It wasn't an oopsie. We did it on purpose, including among the 5,000. Remember from last week? People on our and international terror watch list. What did Marjorie Taylor Greene tell us, the Congress member, last week? I played it on the podcast that in the intel updates given to Congress, they were told last week that ISIS was was working alongside the Taliban in troop movements in Afghanistan. Now, a week later, they want you to pretend that's not the case and they're mortal enemies. So the Taliban couldn't have had anything to do with it. The suicide bomber, y'all, made it through the Taliban check. Another question. Did you see any Taliban killed? (laughs) Strange, isn't it? But it didn't matter. Not to State Department officials or Biden officials. Who, from Jen Psaki to Tony Blinken, our Secretary of State, repeated over and over, like freakazoid zombies, that we must accept the reality that the Taliban is in control. That line, which must be on a talking point card, repeated over and over and over. You know why? Because it's our goal. It doesn't have to be reality. They have made it so. They are determined that you will accept it. Here's just a small, insane sample. Here's Saki again, defending the Taliban. Well, we don't have any evidence they did it, so we can totally trust them. Well, of course we don't have any evidence. We agreed not to leave the airport. We can't collect evidence. That we don't have any uh, information at this point in time. And that has not changed over the last couple of hours to suggest that the Taliban had knowledge of or was engaged in or involved in this attack. And then the zombie-like refrain. Again, this is not about trust. This is not about uh, relying on the Taliban as an equal partner. No one is suggesting that. But because they control large swaths of the country, including a lot of the security perimeters around the airport, we have to coordinate with them in order to get people out. We'll continue to do.
4: Someone in our audience might listen to you, Mr. Secretary, and say, oh, so we have to ask the Taliban for permission for American citizens to leave. True or not true? They, they are in control of Kabul. That is the reality. Uh, that's the reality uh, that, uh, that we have to deal with. How comfortable Yet are you with mission- that, Mr. Secretary? My, what I'm, what I'm uh, focused on, uh, what we're all focused on, is getting people out. And in this case, uh, it uh, is, I think, a requirement of the job uh, to be in contact with, with the Taliban, which controls Kabul. And look.
3: Which leads us to the final insane thing for this week. The kill list. Not my words. Politicos, when you've lost liberal Politico, you've lost to everyone involved. Politico actually published an article about this kill list given to the Taliban, which, as I just explained, means also given to ISIS, Al-Qaeda and the Haqqani Network. They are all one in Afghanistan by U.S. officials in Kabul. It horrifically contains a list of names of American citizens, Green card holders and Afghan allies to, you know, grant entry to in the militant controlled outer perimeter of the airport. It also horrifically contained their addresses. If they're coming to you and they're coming through the checkpoint, why is the Taliban slash ISIS slash Al Qaeda slash Haqqani network need their addresses? Why do they need that? When you start to ask these questions, your mind goes to some very disturbing places about our government. It even disturbed Politico, the sickness of this. Here's a quote that they ran in their article. Basically, they write, they just put all those Afghans on a kill list, said one defense official, who, like others, spoke on condition of anonymity to discuss a sensitive topic. Quote, it's just appalling and shocking and makes you feel unclean. It's a good word for evil. Unclean. Keep in mind the Taliban's understanding of what an Afghan is. To us, an Afghan is someone who is an Afghan citizen who helped us, but is not an American citizen. Not so to the Taliban. They've been clear. An Afghan is an Afghan, even if they're also an American citizen. That's who they're talking about when they say they won't be allowed through. Understand also that many of the Americans we've been told about who we are trying, allegedly, to get out of Afghanistan, are also dual citizens. They're Afghani-Americans. Understand what the Taliban has really been saying here. Afghani-Americans are ours, not yours. And they can't pass. Again, that's a lot of the Americans we want to get out. And now they have their addresses. Oh, God. God help them. I'll leave you with a final thought. This administration clearly has no regard for human life and even less regard for American human life. What are they capable of doing to you and me and us? I don't think we've plumbed the depths of that yet. But we are getting a look at the parameters of it. I'll wrap today's podcast with the audio clip of the week. Comes to us from former Green Beret and now Congressman. Michael Walsh
5: yeah, Biden just made up this deadline this can compl- I've confirmed this with both intelligence and defense officials there's no operational or intelligence driver behind uh, this deadline so he now has us in a no win situation. The administration will tell you uh, that they're going to leave Kabul International intact from a technical standpoint, that it can operate, and that they have promises from the Taliban that they'll continue to let Americans go. Let me tell you what's going to really happen. We are heading into the largest mass hostage situation since 1979 in Tehran. But it's going to make uh, the, the Iranian hostage crisis look like a sleepover, because every time the Taliban which standing right beside them is al-Qaeda, want something, international recognition, access to billions of dollars in fun, in uh, reserves, mm-hmm. economic assistance, and they don't get their way, they can go right down the street and grab a hostage. Kim. So th- this is just a crisis of, of historic proportions, uh, <laughs> and it is infuriating to— all of these veterans, gold star families, victims of 9-11 uh, to, to see this unfold this way. And it did not have to be this way. This was completely avoidable.